If you've never seen Joe versus the Volcano, you've never seen one of the dumbest, best movies of all time. It's, it's a fantastic, and I love this movie clip, and I, don't, I couldn't remember if I've played it for you in here before or just talked about it. But there's, there's this idea expressed in the clip that, that what you wear describes who you are, that kind of what you are on the inside shows up on the outside. And so I'm starting a one-off series. So this is one of those series like Red Letter Print and Words You Ain't Never Heard and things like that that we've done just periodically throughout the five years we've been in daylight. Uh, but this one's called, it's called uh, What's Your Fashion? And uh, the idea is that each of us has a particular style, that each of us has a fashion that you can... And, and the reality is, and this is sometimes a sad reality, but it's still the reality, is you can probably tell a lot about a person, first impressions actually ring true fairly often. That when you look at a person and how they're dressed and what their style is, a lot of times you can learn a whole lot about them real quick. And so if you, if you look at Quan Founder, you're going to know that he has a sense of humor because he wears all these funny t-shirts all the time. And, and uh, I'm not going to pick on anybody in the room right now about what they're wearing because Lord knows that I'm not a fashion uh, expert, but I, I have realized that I do have a fashion, and I call it GWDB, and you could probably, you may over time guess what that means, and it means goodwill dad bod, and I'm, that's my fashion style, I'm convinced, is because I only shop at goodwill, and I'm trying to hide my dad bod, and so, you know, I, I heard uh, the, the, uh, who's the, who's the comedian, Jim Gaffigan, Jim Gaffigan was talking about fat guys and, and untucked t-shirts, and I, I didn't wear, a, my, I wore my t-shirt or my shirt tucked in a few weeks ago and I couldn't believe the feedback I got from you people. Like, like eight people approached me and was like, you tucked your shirt in today. Like that was some magnanimous thing and, and it was very impressive to all of you. And like Jim Gaffigan says, for fat guys, the untucked t-shirt is, is the last hurrah. And, and, and what it comes down to is at some point this man tucked in his, his shirt and someone he loves dearly said, don't do that. And so that's why, that's why we wear the shirt untucked sometimes and try to be stylish. But, you know, I'll wear hiking shoes with a nice shirt, and I'm definitely Goodwill dad bod. And I don't know what your style is, but all of us have, like, a reflection of who we are internally. I, I, li I would like to think that I'm not overly interested in appearances and yet somewhat interested in appearances. And that's where the Goodwill dad bod things, thing comes in. And some people want to be professional, and so they dress professionally. And some people just don't give a rip what you think, and so they dress completely different than normal society. And, and so we're going to play a little game here. Based on what they're wearing, we're going to play Find the Farmer. Okay, so I'm going to show you three pictures, and I want you to pick one out which one is the farmer and which two are posers. Okay, here we go. Which one's the farmer? Now, now, we don't know for sure because this is stock photography, so she may, I mean, she may be a graphic designer for all we know. But you look at the, and, and, and really, if you compare the first one and the third one, they're both wearing bibbed overalls, right? They're wearing what we would describe as farmer apparel. They're ready for work. But the left one, what's the difference? The left one is actually literally posing with a bunch of, if those were posies, that would be even perfect. But, you know, she's got the mirrored shades on. She's got her hair done all up, and she's probably trying to show you a little bit of her booty there. And this one... Here, now, now these may be farmers, but they just happen to be dressed in differently and posing. So you can't really tell, but my point is this, is that a lot of times when you see someone, what, what you see on the outside doesn't sum up, it doesn't, it doesn't give you a perfect picture, but it gives you a vibe. It gives you a vibe and a feel for what's inside. And so you look at this and say, she may be a farmer. This one's going to be a little bit harder here. We're going to say, find the fireman, okay? I want you to figure out which one is the fireman of these two. If I had said find the goober, this would be really easy, right? <laughs> so sometimes what you wear makes it just 
distinct and obvious exactly what you are, like what you do as a career. You can tell, sometimes, there's times that you can tell. So if you, see, if you see someone in the checkout and they have a little white collar on underneath their collared shirt, what would you immediately assume? Priest, right? So there's sometimes that it's kind of a uniform that people wear, and you can tell a ton about them immediately. And now we're going to play Find the Fan. One of these is a Ramones fan. Guess which one? And I just thought the dude on the scooter was a great picture for some reason, so I thought I'd throw that in there. But sometimes we advertise openly, like, this is what I like, this is what I love, and it starts up conversations. I have a Star Wars t-shirt that says, this is where the party's at at, that I wear all the time. And people strike up conversations with me all the time because there's a lot of Star Wars fans out there. What I'm saying is that sometimes it's just right there on your chest, who you are and what you love and what your interests are. And as we progress, the idea is to say that what you have on the outside always communicates a message about what's on the inside. Whether you like it or not, that's the reality, is that the fashion that you show the world, and when I'm talking about fashion, I'm not necessarily talking about specifically clothing. I'm talking about personality traits. I'm talking about wearing a smile. I'm talking about how you carry yourself, how you approach people. Uh, how you act is a certain way, and it's, it, it separates kind of the people who are genuine and the people who are posers, and posers don't do it consistently. Posers act a certain way in one place and a different way in another place, but a person who's the real deal and genuine will be consistent with kind of the outward stuff. You're going to see some outward stuff that is the same from day to day. And so it, you end up with all these quotes about dressing for success, and Tremaine and I have talked about dressing and, and successful, and he probably looks at me as the dad bod with slob, but it's okay. If you ever, if you ever want to see somebody dress nice, look at Tremaine, man. Mm-mm-mm, he looks good. But <laughs> Tremaine believes these kind of things, is that you dress for the job you want, not the one you have. I've heard of companies that, that, that are call-in centers, and they make the call-in center wear suit and tie because they think what you're wearing, even if you're not seen, they think it's reflected in your voice. Because if you wear the suit and tie and you sit in the call center, you're going to have an air of professionalism that's reflected in your voice. And there's all kinds, I mean, you just search for, for how you dress quotes or dressing for success quotes. There's tons of them. You can't climb the ladder of success dressed in the costume of failure, and you dress how you want to be addressed. And all of them are to say that what you wear, and when I'm talking about wearing, I'm talking about non-physical characteristics, the, the air that you carry, the way you treat people, but what you wear is important. And it, it, it reflects who you are, it reflects what you do, it, it, and it, it makes a difference in, when, in how you communicate with people and how, how people respond to you. If you want to dress for success, people will see you as successful. They've done these uh, sociological studies where they'll send out people begging for money, you know, panhandlers that, that are wearing clothes that look drabby, and then they'll send out guys in suits asking for money, and it's amazing the difference in how people respond to the guy in the suit. And so there's, there's just a difference in how people see you and kind of almost to the point of it affects who you are. And so while we talk about this what's your fashion thing, what we're talking about is this external stuff that you can work on and become better at. And we all know that there are expectations when it comes to Christian behavior. You know, when we, when we hear of a pastor that has fallen off the deep end and done some, hired a prostitute or, or cooked the books at his church or whatever, there's, there's not just the fact that this behavior was going on, but there's this thing called hypocrisy buried in it, right? Like that's where they get nailed. Is it's, it's not even so much on the behavior that lots and lots of people do all over the planet. It's the fact that they cried out against the behavior and then did it that makes it really sensational as far as the news is concerned. And so Christians are expect, there's an expectation when it comes to behavior on like the outside, the fashion of a Christian. There's an expectation that there, there's supposed to be something different. If you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus was different than everybody. Jesus was different than the whole world. Jesus was flawless in his behavior and how he treated people. 
And so when we carry the name of Jesus, what it means is we dress ourselves up a little bit differently. And obviously, I don't mean physically. I mean our presentation, the way we talk to people, the way we treat people, the way we spend our money, the way we spend our time, it all changes. I was listening to a debate between an atheist and a Christian on the topic of morality and who defines morality and is, is God moral and what, is, what does morality mean when it comes from God and so forth. And one of the questions in it was this question here. Uh, actually, let me back up a second. The, the illustration was, imagine yourself in a dark alley, okay? And all of a sudden, this group of guys comes down the alley that seem tough. Maybe they're covered in tattoos. They're, they're pushing each other around and talking aggressively or whatever. And they're coming your way. And you, you would probably, in those situations, most people would feel uncomfortable. It is dark alley, unknown people approaching. And then the, the Christian asked the atheist this question, would you feel safer if you'd known they just came from a Bible study? And the atheist hemmed and hawed and said, well, Christians throughout the ages caused the crusades and rah, 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 and, and did, kind of evaded the point. But I think anyone that's honest would say, I would feel a little bit better. Now, it's not to say that there aren't mean Christians out there. It's not to say that there aren't Christians out there who would pummel you and take your stuff, that wear the label Christian. But the point is we recognize that if they were just coming from a Bible study, they're investing in something that probably reflects in their character in a positive way. And that's what Christianity is meant to do. It's meant to do some kind of internal work in you that is expressed on the outside, that when people look at you, they see something different than the rest of the world. Christianity is supposed to, expect, is supposed to impact the fashion of you, the way you are, the way you look, the way you act. And I want to point out as we go through this series that your fashion is fashioned. And what I mean by that is it doesn't come naturally. We're not talking about your shape. We're not talking about the way you look. We're talking about something outside that can be built upon. And anybody who's fashionable, anybody, who, anybody that woke up and put on clothes today, you bought those clothes somewhere, you thought them through, you probably stood in front of a mirror and looked at yourself in them at some point. And so your fashion, the, way, the externals, the, the stuff that you put out there in front of people is something that you can work on. It's something that you can shape and mold and change and, and be purposeful about. And, and I'm a believer that kind of the inside affects the outside, and then the outside affects the inside, and it's like this circular thing. And in some sense, it's I change the shirt, it changes my mentality, it changes my behavior, it changes my heart, and my heart changes what I wear, and there's this circular thing that happens. And so when we talk about your fashion, and what we're going to talk about specifically today, it's something that you can do. It's something that you can work on and change. Now, Scripture describes this process of putting on stuff many times. In Galatians, it says, for as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, and it's... It all, it, this, this language describes like putting on a cloak or a garment. It means I was naked. I, there, was, there was something else. And then all of a sudden Christ came and put himself over me. And I have put him on now. And now when people see me, what do they see? They see him. They, see, they don't see me anymore. They see him. And, it's, and it's, it's mentioned many times. This is just four examples. It says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. You have put on the new self. So... When you take these together, what it means is when you put on Christ, you become new. You're not who you were before. It's, it's, it's a transformation that occurs. And when people see you, they see something different. You put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And so when people look at us and see our fashion, they see our style, what Scripture describes is that they should see an image of Christ. Scripture describes us being conformed into the image of Christ. It means we're consistently and constantly transformed to look 
more and more like him. And so when people see our style, what's your style? The style is Jesus. If you're, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, that becomes the thing. That's what you put on. And it says, put on the new self created after the likeness of God. It's a pretty consistent theme through the New Testament. And there's some stuff in the Old Testament as well that now we wear something different. That now how we appear to the world is different than it was before. I'm going to show you three quotes because what I'm going to talk about today for the next 15 minutes is the idea that part of our fashion or part of our style has a lot to do with our voice. It has a lot to do with how we talk and how we speak and how we approach people vocally. And so I'm going to show you three quotes, and I want you to guess which one is a quote from Jesus. Okay? Here's the first one. You're not a beautiful or unique snowflake. You're the same decaying organic matter as everything else. Does that sound like Jesus? Does anybody know what that is? I'll tell you in a moment. This one, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Your Heavenly Father knows what you need. That sounds like Jesus, probably because you guys have been reading the words of Jesus, and this happens to be exactly something he said. But that sounds like Jesus. Don't worry, God's got this. When you think about, it's almost, you think about Jesus, that was kind of his whole thing is, hey, chill out, God's here. Now, what about this last one? Always never trust your heart. I really like that one, and there may be some truth to it, but I'm a big fan of the heart as well. The first one was said by Tyler Durden in the movie Fight Club. The second one was said by Jesus, and the third one I made up because I thought it was really funny. But the point is this. When you hear something, you can automatically process it and say, does this line up with what we know about Jesus? And it happens in your life every single day. It happens in our lives in the way we treat servers at restaurants, in the way we treat our Uber drivers, in the way we treat our husband, in the way we treat our spouse, in the way we treat our children, in the way we treat our coworkers. The stuff that comes out of our mouth can be evaluated to say, does this line up with Jesus whom we claim to follow? It's a, fa it's a fashion thing. It's on the outside that everybody can see, and it reflects what's in the inside. Scripture says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I was working on, and Paul Lyle was here to bail me out on this one time. This was years ago. I bought a piece of furniture. Guess where I bought it? Goodwill. And it was this really nice Asian-looking cabinet with really neat engravings on it. And, but it was worn down and nasty, and so I was sanding it down. And this is just a picture to remind me of that in my notes. But it was kind of like this process. I was sanding down this thing that had all these inlaid pieces of wood and really neat stuff. And I was terrible at it. I was gooping on some stuff. And I called Paul and said, man, bail me out here. But but the, th the cabinet had a door in the front of it, and I was in my front yard under a patio covering in my driveway. So I'm in my driveway working on this thing, and I've got it all sanded down. And at some point, I closed that door and caught my pinky finger in the, in, on the inside of the hinge. And it was one of those things where you get a blood blister about that big that lasts for weeks, you know what I'm talking about? But when it, when it, when it twisted and hit me, I said, oh, fart, real loud, right? That's the only F word I ever say. And so... <laughs> So I yelled the word fart. <laughs> I, I think that makes me really stupid, but I did. And at that moment, a car that was driving by squeals to a stop in the gravel in front of my house, and the guy inside yells, Christians shouldn't talk that way. <laughs> and, and it was this guy that I had met at the golf course, and we had talked about his spiritual life, and, and he knew who I was, and I knew who he was, and he just happened to be driving down with his window down when I yelled, oh, fart, <laughs> out in my front yard. And he had thought I had said a different F word. And I didn't know that he said that. So we had this very confusing conversation. I was like, well, 
I did hurt my finger, and he was like, well, still, you shouldn't be talking like that. And I said, well, I, I don't know that I agree. I think it's okay what I said. And it was just very confusing. But, but, but the point is that there's this expectation out there. And this is a guy that I had been, I, I, wanna, I think it's fair to say, ministering to about his life. And when he, when he heard me yell what he thought was something else, he saw an inconsistency. And, and, and it, I'm, I'm not on cussing today. That's not my, my plan. But in the book of James, it says, out of the same mouth, that says put. It shouldn't say put. It should say out. Out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? The idea being, if what's inside is pure, what comes out is pure. And I don't know what kind of nastiness is in me that it would yell the word fart, but it wasn't what he thought. But there, it's this idea that what you say reflects what's inside, and what's inside is supposed to be Christ building in you, right? And again, uh, some, of the, some of the people we would consider the greatest Christians throughout history have, have cussed. Martin Luther was a guy who used to cuss at the devil, and it's reflected in all his journals. I'm not picking on cussing per se, but I am saying... And I do think cussing is something that needs to be addressed and you should work on in your life. I, think, I, I just think it's lazy talk, mostly. I think it, it, anyway, I'm not getting on cussing today. The point is, the externals of what comes out of your mouth reflects what's inside and people are watching. And there's one area that I want to focus on in particular about what ought to be coming out of our mouths, and that's the area of encouragement, that we should be consistently, constantly building other people up and, and helping them become everything God wanted them to be. That, that's, that sounds like Jesus. Everywhere Jesus went at all times, he was saying things to people that revolutionized them. He was letting his words enter their ears and be processed by their brains and bringing transformation. And if we're followers of Jesus, that's the stuff that comes out. Ephesians 4 says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. It says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. As you continue, it says, therefore encourage one another. In 1 Thessalonians, it says, therefore encourage one another and build each other up. Hebrews says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. And in Hebrews 3, it says this. I love this quote. It says, encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, which is a really creative way of saying always, always, always forever. Always encourage people every single day. It's always today. It's never tomorrow. It's never yesterday. It's always today. Always encourage people. And these are really fascinating words in Scripture. I am lost in my notes. One moment. Here we go. I want to encourage you as we talk about putting on Christ that we are also talking about putting on like a garment of encouragement. It means that when people see us, when people see you coming, they don't think, oh, no, I'm going to have to listen to this again. But instead they think, this is a person who's going to feed me. This is a person who's going to give me life. That's the people we want to be. If we're wearing the garment of Jesus, then we're wearing the garment of life-giving. And that happens to a great extent through our voices. So I love the etymology of words. I'm very much into words and what words mean. And, and in, 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 in English, to encourage probably means, just by looking at the word, what does it probably mean? To give courage. It's a very simple word, encourage. It means to give courage to people, and that's something we all desperately need. Most of us, a great percentage of us are having a hard time facing tomorrow, facing today, facing what's going on in our lives, and sometimes worse than others. But all of us need courage desperately and constantly. And to encourage is to feed that thing. Is to say, it's, it's like, almost like coming, as you'll see in a moment, coming alongside someone and saying, you can do this. You got this. You can succeed in life. You can be everything God designed you to be. It's to be that voice in people's ears. There's this Greek word, oikotome. And this is the one you see many times. If, if you read it, like an older version of the Bible, it says to edify. 
It'll say, therefore, let us edify one another. And it constantly, edify is used over and over and over in Scripture, and it's this Greek word. And it, it's almost like a construction term. It's almost like you've got a foundation of bricks built, and when you edify, when you're building onto it, you're adding a brick to the wall, and then you're adding some mortar, and then you're adding another brick, and then you're adding some mortar. And they, they say is, in, in studies of children that children need what they say is five anchors in their life. They, and an anchor being something that you climb onto. So to, to go over a wall, an anchor is something you can firmly put your foot on and step up to the next step, the next anchor. And when we talk about edification, we're kind of talking about like that. It's, it's almost like me playing with my son in, the ocean, or in, the, in Lake Michigan a couple weeks ago. Is He was wanting to climb up on this big pole, so I would reach down and I'd put my hands together and let him step on me, and I would grunt and strain and get him, and then I'd push him up and get him as high as he could go. That's kind of this word. It's, it's, it's a building, it's an elevating, it's a lifting up, and you see it all throughout Scripture as this is the voice of Christians, is a voice of edification. It's a voice of getting to people who are having a hard time getting where they need to go and putting your hands out and saying, here I am, let me, let me give you a boost here. And, it's, and we're talking about a verbal boost. It's mean using your mouth to give them the boost they need to get the next step up. That's kind of what this word means. And then you see parakaleo. I, in, in English, a lot of times they, call, they, they use it as the root from paraclete, which we'll talk about in just a second. But it comes from para and kaleo. And para means beside, and kaleo means to call or to invite. So when you put the words together, what do you think that means? Anybody? What's that? To invite over or to walk beside someone. Yeah, and that, that's kind of what it means. But we translate it into English as encourage. And so when you hear this word, which you hear consistently throughout Scripture, what it means is I'm coming with you. I'm here. I'm here next to you as you go through life. And so when you take these two things together, what it means is I'm here for you. I see you. I recognize the battle you're fighting, and I'm here to boost you up. I'm here to help. Let, to help, let me help you. Help me help you, like the old movie says. It's I'm here for you to build you up and help you get to the next place. That's what you find all throughout Scripture is that that's supposed to be the voice of Christians. So this word that, comes, that we translate as paraclete is to be present, to strongly urge or implore, to give courage, comfort, or cheer, or to invite in a friendly manner. It's from the same root as in this passage in John 14. John, in John 14, Jesus is about to die, and he's hanging out with his friends for one last time at one last meal. And he says, I got to go, guys. I'm out. I'm gone. But I have to go so that the paraclete can come. And so that's what you see in this, in this passage. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you this being who will come to walk alongside you and help build you up and will be close to you and will edify you and strengthen you. And as we find out later, that he's talking about the Holy Spirit specifically, the being of the Holy Spirit. And so he says, the Holy Spirit will come to help you and be with you forever. And so this word describes the Holy Spirit, and that means that the Holy Spirit is present urging us, imploring us, giving us courage, comfort, and cheer. They, a lot of times it's translated as the comforter in Scripture and inviting us in a good manner. And so if we want to be followers of Jesus, filled with his Holy Spirit, what that means is that's our job in the lives of other people, is to be the paraclete, is to be the one who edifies, the one who builds up, the one who speaks into people's lives. Uh, real quick, this is Jason Purcell. I could only find basically one picture of him online because he has no online presence, but he is a guy. Back when I first started teaching at all, I was teaching a Sunday school class at Murray State University where maybe 30 people would show up. 
And I was nervous as all get out to the point of wanting to cry. And I would show up an hour and a half early and just, just pace and pray and say, God, you got to help me today. I don't know that I can do this. I mean, I was just so stinking nervous about it. And I would think and think and think and think and think. And then I'd teach, and I, I would walk away feeling like, well, that was terrible. I'm lousy at this. And Jason Purcell, you see him with, with the mullet galore. I mean, just a, this beautiful human being would come up to me every single time with notes that he had taken. He'd say, H, that was great. He'd call me Herm. I, none of you have permission to do this. But he would call, he'd say, Herm, that was great. He said, that thing you said about this, man, that's really good stuff. And he'd say, you're my favorite teacher. And, I, and don't you know that did something for me? It made me, he was, he was letting my foot land in his hand and building me up and lifting me up, and here I am today. And honestly, I don't know that I would have ever been in front of people again if it weren't for Jason Purcell. It's a guy who's, and there have been a couple people early on that when I started teaching and was really, I'm not saying I'm great at it now, but I, I've definitely grown, but I was really bad at this. But people just say, that thing you said changed my life. And they would come and tell me. And it made me believe I could do this thing. And eventually, here we are at Daylight Church. And you may have similar stories in your life. People who came along at the right time and invested in you, gave you a leg up, said something to you at the right time that propelled you forward. The point is, that's who we're supposed to be for everybody around us. Is we're supposed to be consistently and constantly trying to look into people's lives, seeing them, and investing in, in them verbally. And so three tips. One is, number one is this, is get the binoculars out and just see people. We all constantly, desperately want to be seen. I'm going to fly through some of this because I really want to get to something. Part of the task is to look past the task to see the past task, which means we, we're so task-driven that we don't realize what the real task is, and the task is people. And so we've got to look past our daily grind and see the people that come into our lives. You want to say, I noticed a lot. When people do something good, say it out loud. When you notice someone that's being helpful to another person, encourage them in that. When you see somebody that has a talent that they're using but they're, maybe they're a little nervous about, tell them, I noticed you're doing this. Find out what people like, what's important to people, and talk about that. If you find out that somebody has a passion or a hunger to do ministry in a certain area, feed that beast. Feed it over and over and over. And then finally is listen to Van Halen. And, and I don't actually encourage this, but there's this song, Everybody Wants Some, by Van Halen that's been in my head as I prepare this sermon. And I'm sure he's talking about something completely different than I mean. But it's that everybody wants some, I want some too. And that's, 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 that's something we should recognize is everybody wants this person to step into their life and build them up. Everybody wants to hear I did a good job. There's no exceptions anywhere. And we're afraid of feeding into people's lives because it'll come across as awkward. The reality is, is every person in the room and every person you'll see today is hungry for this. And you can do it and do it well. See the art and fight the foe. There's this French word foe that they attach to diamonds and fur coats and such. And they'll say a faux diamond, which says, ooh, that's a fancy diamond. No, it's not. It means fake. It's an imitation diamond. A faux diamond is not fancy. They're just trying to sell you something. Be sincere in your praise. Don't be the person that just makes up stuff about people because you want to say something encouraging. And this, this means get the binoculars out. Is see something genuine and feed people in genuine ways. And then finally is this. Dig a little deeper. I like your shoes does not transform someone's life. In general, it might be on a particular day they really need the encouragement that, hey, I picked out great shoes. But in general, I like your shoes, great shirt. Oh, you did your hair. You look cute. This doesn't transform people and build them up where you're just letting them step on your feet and, and pick them up. You're looking for something deeper. You're looking for something inside who they are and where they're headed in the direction of life, and you're trying to feed that thing. 
And so I wanted to practice this a little bit. I wanted to brag on some people in the room, and, and we don't have much time, so I'm going to fly through this. But I wanted to talk about Stu McRae for a second. Where's Stu? Stu's back here. Hey, Stu. Stu reminds me of a scene from Top Gun where Tom Cruise takes off his glasses and smiles, and, like, there's a glisten on his teeth. Ding! Right? Like, like Stu, and you can kind of see it in this picture, Stu feels like he's always on vacation. Like, every time I talk to Stu, he, a lot of times he wears these bohemian floral shirts, and he's like the perfect guy to wear them. But he, ha he has this vibe of, everything's all right. I like talking to Stu because he encourages me, because he smiles when he talks to me. I like Stu and Elaine and his family, and, and you guys have done a great job raising kids. Your kids are fantastic. And so just, you know, it's like this, this good job overarching vibe I get from Stu. And sat down with Elaine and had a nice conversation with her over a Bible study recently, and she's got all kinds of wisdom in her. Um, but I'm focusing on Stu today. And these guys also, you may not know it, but they feed impoverished people every single money when they're here in Daylight Church. They're out there at Site 61 packing boxes, and, and he has this calmness and clarity about the process of how to get the stuff in the boxes and get it to the next person, get it to the next person. But he's not overwhelming. He's not... He's not uh, he, he's not abrasive in his approach. He says, hey, we could do this better, and you get this vibe that if you just followed Stu's advice, everything would run more efficiently. He's just a super guy. And then there's Chris Mueller over here. Hey, hey Chris. And Chris, and Andrew Lutz, early on in meeting Chris, said, Chris Mueller is awesome. And he is. He's just an awesome fella. He's a supremely talented musician that, that does really well on the keys and has a great voice, and I, I think God uses him when it comes to music. He's also super faithful. He shows up when he says he'll show up. He does what he says he'll do. And I also get this vibe that he's just a tremendous husband and father. When you're around him, you just, you just get that vibe. And, he, he, you know, there's some people that you meet them and you hang out with them for a while and you think, I don't, I don't really want to be that person's friend. Like, it just doesn't <laughs> click. Chris is not that guy. Chris is the opposite of that. When you, when you hang out with Chris, you think, man, I want to be this guy's friend. I want to spend more time with this guy. And he's just, he's just an exceptional individual. And is Sidney Spears in the room? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brag on Sidney. I have a couple more that I think are not in the room. But Sidney, if you see Sidney, Sidney is the best hugger in the universe. She has an incredibly sharp sense of humor and wit and intelligence about her. She's very much passionate about mental health and mental health issues. And what I really love about Sidney, and she can watch this online, is that her transparency is just perfect. It's just right where it needs to be. Some people are overly transparent and tell you about every hemorrhoid they ever had, and you're like, please stop talking to me, right? <laughs> Sydney is not... Sydney is not like this at all. Sydney has struggled in life. She's, she's 140 days clean now from, from alcohol addiction. She's, I mean, she's working hard to, to, through recovery. And she lets you know the struggles that are going on in your life. But it's not like a, help me. You know, it's not like a clingy, you know, I'm telling you my problems so you'll feel sorry for me. She's just transparent. She, she just is who she is and, and is very open about who she is. And I just adore, I, I adore the girl. So last thought is now I'm handing the baton to you. Do what I just did. Because here's, here's what happens in a room like this. Our Christmas volunteer banquet, we give out gift cards. And one would be a $50 gift card at Cheesecake Factory, and one would be a $15 gift card at Steak and Shake, right? And you're bummed when you get the $15 gift card at Steak and Shake. I mean, you walked away with $15, but you still feel cheated, right? In a room like this, if you start bragging on people, you say, Chris Mueller is an awesome dude. Most of us think, I hope he likes me. Most of us think, I wonder what he'd say about me. Or many of you thought, some of you think, I hope he doesn't put my picture on the big screen because you're that kind of introvert. But many people would think, oh, I want that. I hunger for that. 
And you probably recognize that in yourself, that you would love for somebody to stand up and say, this is what's great about you. And you have that opportunity to fulfill that in someone every single day, all day long. And if you're going to put on Christ as a garment, that is going to be a part of your life. So we pass the baton to you and say, who are you going to encounter today? Who needs encouragement today? Who needs a leg up today? You be that voice.